People will say, once you have antibodies, you don't need to worry about them. And I know that some functional medicine practitioners will say that. And I'm like, have you looked at the studies? Because thyroid antibodies are independently associated with miscarriage. And they can cause an environment that's not hospitable for fertilization. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we're all determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. And I have on the show today, someone you're going to love. This is a treat. So I hope you guys are paying attention. So many of you ask me questions about your thyroid, right? We think, is it our thyroid? Is something wrong with our thyroid? Many of you have been dismissed and told your thyroid was normal when in fact it wasn't. I'm actually one of those. And it's a big part of my health story. So you're going to be super excited because today on the show, we have Dr. Isabella Wentz. She is an internationally acclaimed thyroid specialist, a licensed pharmacist who has dedicated her career to addressing the root causes of autoimmune thyroid disease after being diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2009. She's the author of three books on Hashimoto's. So she's definitely the expert here. Hashimoto's Thyroiditis Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause, Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology, and the Hashimoto's Protocol, which became a number one New York Times bestseller. Welcome to the show, Isabella. Like I was telling you before we jumped in, I remember seeing you at one conference that we had both attended probably five or six years ago. I know that you are such an expert in this field. What even got you into it to begin with? All things thyroid. So personally, I was never interested in the thyroid during pharmacy school, right? Right, right. A thyroid condition, how boring. There's just one medication for it if you're hypothyroid, right? And it wasn't until I was diagnosed myself with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in my twenties after already practicing pharmacist. And I realized that there was a lot more to hypothyroidism than just taking Synthroid. And I personally struggled with symptoms for a decade before I was diagnosed. So I was struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, fatigue, carpal tunnel in both arms, hair loss and brain fog, and just a whole host of allergies, irritable bowel syndrome, acid reflux, all of these things in my twenties, where it felt like my body was breaking itself down. I was excited to be diagnosed. Part of me was, you know, of course, devastated, but a part of me was like grateful to have answers. Yeah. Excited that I could take thyroid hormone and thyroid medications. And I was like, all of these things will go away. Right. And unfortunately that wasn't the case. So uh, thyroid hormone helped me go from sleeping, you know, 12 hours a night to 11 hours a night. That was an improvement for sure. It helped me go from wearing two sweaters in Southern California in the summer to no, just, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was certainly an improvement, but I was still left with all of these symptoms, like the hair loss, the brain fog, the anxiety attacks, 
the IBS, the GERD, the carpal tunnel. And, you know, just that debilitating fatigue was, was just really challenging for me as being an ambitious young woman. Yeah. That's how I became a Hashimoto's expert slash human guinea pig was really trying to figure out what else I could do to feel human again, because having Hashimoto's and that autoimmune inflammatory process in my body that led to me to have Hashimoto's was causing a ton of symptoms in me. And once I was able to figure out what some of my triggers and root causes were and how to adjust my lifestyle and felt, you know, human again, I really wanted to shout it out from the rooftops. I was like, why don't more people know that there are things you can do to feel better when you have these symptoms? And yes, you know, being a pharmacist, I love using the right medication at the right time for the right person, but there's more to healing than medication. Maybe, maybe this was a shock for me at first, um, being such a new grad, but that's what I've been doing now for the last decade is, wow. is that awareness. So many of us have had our own, you know, stories of getting sick or ill and then desperate for answers. And so many people today still walk that journey for sure, often getting dismissed in the exam room or being told that there's only one way to take care of the thyroid and it is with Synthroid. You know, it's fascinating because my story with thyroid also is in my 20s. And I think that's a very critical age for women. You know, I think all the ages are important, but I feel like there is a big shift in your 20s. And the more we can educate women about maybe staying on top of these hormone shifts and really understanding what their bodies are doing, it's so much more important. You know, and it also continues to just baffle me that we don't test thyroid antibodies routinely, right? Like most people get a TSH, a T4, a free T3, and that's your hormone workup. Very rarely will someone look at thyroid antibodies um, to really even lend itself to the diagnosis of Hashimoto's. So is the Hashimoto's in your family by any chance or not necessarily? That's a good question. So it's a bit of a complicated question, but yes, I have um, a grandmother and an aunt with Hashimoto's and some cousins. I will say that a few of them discovered they had Hashimoto's after I did. Maybe I had something to do with it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily something that my mom had or my grandmother had or anybody had that would lead me to suspect that I would have it, or that would lead my mom, who's a pediatrician to suspect that I would have it. Although when I was a teenager, I had an enlarged thyroid gland and my mom pediatrician took me to an endocrinologist who tested my TSH and said that it was normal. And, you know, no point made. Yep. Right back to what we were just talking about. So what do we have wrong when it comes to thyroid in the conventional medicine world? What is getting missed? What is the general basic misconception that you keep hearing as you've, you know, kind of dove deep into this world? Oh man, I'm antibodies. Like people say that thyroid antibodies don't matter. So let's back up into this. So, so doctors will test a TSH first, like you said, rather than testing thyroid antibodies and TSH is an amazing test when you've been hypothyroid and have had Hashimoto's for a very, very long time, right? right. Not a great test for the first five, 10, sometimes 15 years. So people can have elevated Hashimoto's antibodies for, you know, sometimes a decade plus before there's going to be a change in TSH. 
So it's oftentimes backwards because antibodies will be tested if there's an alteration in TSH. If the TSH not is the other way around, right? Yeah. But it really should be testing antibodies first. So I agree. Do- I agree. It's crazy. And, you know, in practice, we're good about doing it, but I'm, I continue to be shocked at how often, even by the endocrinologist, it's not done, you know, in your opinion, how do you treat an autoimmune thyroid disease? What do you need to be thinking about? What do you need to be looking at? What have you seen now after a decade in the field that really is making a difference in changing the course of Hashimoto's? Ah, oh, good question. So for me personally, I really love to focus on some low-hanging fruit with people to start with. And generally that's going to be a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. Most people feel better when they get off of gluten and dairy, anywhere from 80 to 88% of people will have more energy. They'll have just less pain in their body. They'll be able to normalize their weight. Just with those dietary interventions, getting blood sugar balanced eating, really focusing on that blood sugar piece, generally eating more protein and fat, lowering our carbohydrate intake. That's going to help a lot of people feel better. That's going to reduce the autoimmune process against the thyroid gland. These are really great places to start for most people. Oftentimes I see a lot of benefit with utilizing nutrients, Mm -hmm. inositol and selenium specifically myo-inositol about 600 milligrams, selenium 83 micrograms. When you can use them together, they work in synergy Mm -hmm. to normalize some of that autoimmune response. I recently came across, and I didn't, I don't know how I didn't know this as a pharmacist, but how lithium, which is a known thyroid toxin actually depletes us of myo-inositol. Interesting. who develop psoriasis from lithium, which is an autoimmune skin issue. Myoinositol is something that can reverse that, right? And people with psoriasis, interestingly, myoinositol has never been studied for lithium-induced thyroid issues, but it works for other types of thyroid issues, right? So for Hashimoto's, in some cases, myoinositol can normalize thyroid function in the early stages. It can normalize a TSH to the point where if I have anybody taking myo-inositol, I'm like, make sure you test your thyroid function if you're taking on thyroid meds because your dosage of medication can lower. And it can also lower the autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland, lowering thyroid antibodies synergistically with selenium. People will say, once you have antibodies, you don't need to worry about them. And I know that some functional medicine practitioners will say that. And I'm like, hmm. You looked at the studies because thyroid antibodies are independently associated with miscarriage. They can actually alter, they can cross into the fluid and then they can cause an environment that's not hospitable for fertilization. And so, yes, they do not directly attack the thyroid gland, but they can be implicated in things like obsessive compulsive disorder, which wow. interestingly, yeah. myonacetol also helps. They can be implicated in fertility issues. So I'm a big proponent of, yes, let's test the antibodies and let's see how we can address them. Generally, I want to get them into a lower amount. And we have very straightforward ways of doing that. Oftentimes, you know, nutrients, diet are a great place to start. Sometimes it might be a bit more deeper work, like doing some gut testing, toxins testing to see what might be triggering the inflammation in the body. 
That's such helpful information. I love, it's interesting, myo-inositol, because I love myo-inositol for PCOS, right? Because it manages insulin and blood sugar in general as well. So kind of getting back to that thyroid insulin blood sugar connection for sure. So that's fascinating. Hashimoto's, you know, one question I get asked, I could talk about so many different things. What, let me ask this question, just, you know, from a selfish standpoint, what do you think of LDN or low dose naltrexone for managing the thyroid antibodies? We use that a lot in practice and find that it holds the antibody load kind of stable. And so it prevents a lot of this flip-flop that Hashimoto's in particular is known for. Just curious about what your thoughts are there. Oh, I love LDN. I think it's such an unappreciated, inexpensive therapeutic modality for Hashimoto's, for various kinds of autoimmune conditions, for prevention, for getting into remission, staying into remission. So I will say not every single person will benefit from it. Some people, maybe, you know, they take it and it doesn't benefit them. I think it's worth a try for as Hashimoto's to see how they do on a prescription of low-dose naltrexone, especially if they have elevated Hashimoto's antibodies, because it can be a really, really big game changer. Yeah, it's one of my favorites, but I agree with you. It's really about managing the gut and managing the inflammatory load and trying to get that to where it needs to be for sure. Let's be honest, as women, we are hormonal creatures. We are absolutely the function of our hormones. And we know that proper nutrition is the key to hormone balance. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Since 2010, they've improved their formula 52 times in the pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement possible through high quality ingredients and rigorous standards. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash Dr. Taz. That's drinkag1.com backslash Dr. Taz. Check it out. You're going to love it. Let's talk for a second. And I know you have some new work around cortisol and adrenal function. So I definitely want to hit that, but talk to us for just a second about the medications. I get so much energy and angst from patients and folks about different thyroid medications. You know, is Synthroid the only option? What about Tyrosin? What about NP thyroid, Armour thyroid? You know, where are you in the medication world of managing Hashimoto's? I think every person is unique and every person will benefit from different medications. When I was going through pharmacy school, I was taught like that Synthroid was the way to go, right? And everybody should be on Synthroid and Armour and some of the desiccated drugs weren't reliable, that there was really no reason to prescribe that to a new patient, that anybody taking armor was probably like a really old person that had been maintained on it. That was kind of the the story that I heard. And then when I got diagnosed myself with Hashimoto's and I started working with people, I realized, you know, Synthroid T4 is a Mm pro-drug, which means that it needs to get turned into the more 
physiologically active thyroid hormone T3 in the body. On paper, this happens very well, perfectly every time. In the body, this doesn't always happen. So if a person has some toxic exposure, they may not convert their T4 medication into the active T3. What this means is they can take thyroid medications, still struggle with thyroid symptoms. So they can have brain fog, fatigue, excess weight, depression when they're on levothyroxine. Sometimes this is because their iron and ferritin is low so that that iron can't carry the thyroid hormone into the cell. Sometimes it's a zinc issue. Sometimes it's a selenium issue. There's a long list of issues why this could happen. And we can spend time figuring out all these issues, which, which right. is never a good idea, but there's also a quicker, faster way to do it. Yeah. And it's person a T3 medication directly. Yeah. That can be really, really helpful for so many people. They'll say, I was so depressed and I started on armor and I feel so much better. And there have been stories of people who have lifelong depression taking levothyroxine and just that a little bit of T3 makes such a big difference for them. It's actually studied to be used as an antidepressant in psychiatry, just T3 straight up. Oh, for wow. I didn't know that. It, yeah. It's so, so interesting where some psychiatrists will add that to a person's um, med regimen for treatment resistant depression. So it's, it's kind of an obvious to me, if somebody is having those symptoms to perhaps consider a medication like that. And then I have people that maybe have malabsorption issues, or they like to drink their coffee with their thyroid meds. Yes. yes. Um, and in that case, I would prefer something like a tyrosin or because that can be absorbed much better. So it's, it's fascinating. Um, and interesting how many people don't know that you're not supposed to drink your coffee with your thyroid meds, or maybe the, ver I should have said the reverse way, but the coffee, um, calcium supplements, other medications, foods, all of these things can impact thyroid hormone absorption. There's one study showing that it's up to four hours after um, taking a thyroid med that you should abstain from drinking coffee. Oh, Having glory, wow. um, all these other things can imp impair this absorption. And so um, researchers in Italy found that um, espresso lovers could actually take tyrosine with their espresso and still have good thyroid hormone absorption. So something interesting. Leave it to Italy to make sure the espresso didn't take a hit. Right? <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Where are you in the world of, and I think that's so interesting about depression. That was fascinating to me. I didn't realize it was a recommended treatment for, for depression, but um, where are you in the world of numbers? Do you subscribe to this whole TSH standard that has been set. How much do we need to follow the numbers? I will tell you both personally and with patients, the numbers have sometimes led me wrong. I'm sitting there cold and tolerant, every like a heater on in July on me. You know, numbers are perfect. They're not even subclinical. But the minute I started some thyroid, all of that went away. My hair thickened back up, you know, like all this stuff uh, started to shift and change. So, what's your perspective on the lab work? So generally for most women of childbearing age, I like to see a TSH between 0.5 and 2. Mm -hmm. I know personally, when I was diagnosed, I had a TSH of 4.5. 
or before I was diagnosed, I should say. And at the time the reference range was up to five and I was told that my thyroid function was normal. And I was like a sloth, right? I was like so tired. I was freezing all the time. I was losing my hair. I was brain fog and forgetful. So I know personally some some doctors won't treat individuals until their TSH. Like they'll even say if it's up to 10 and you have subclinical mm. thyroidism, they won't treat them. And I mean, I'm all for making the person feel good. So if they have elevated thyroid antibodies, and if, especially if they're trying to have a baby yeah, or they're depressed or any kind of symptomatic a tiny dose of thyroid hormone can be a really big game changer. So small doses of thyroid hormone utilized in antibody positive women have been shown to reduce incidence of miscarriage. So I I'm all for it, depending on, you know, the circumstances, like you said, if somebody presents with those symptoms and definitely check a ferritin, because sometimes it just might be, you're not carrying the iron to the, you're not carrying correctly to the right place. Um, but that can be such an easy way to get a person to feel better or have a pregnancy after having a lot of miscarriages. So helpful. And then do you also subscribe to take your thyroid medication on an empty stomach? Generally, unless you take tyrosine, then yes. Yep. Yeah. With, with tyrosine, you can do like, you know, it was, it, I took it, um, when I was a brand new mom and I was drinking a lot of coffee, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. I can, yeah. right. But for most medications, you do want to take them on an empty stomach and you can wait anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour before you do anything else. Hi there, superstars. I have an exciting announcement. My new book, The Hormone Shift, Balance Your Body Through Midlife and Menopause is out this October and is available for pre-order right now wherever books are sold. Most women, let's be honest, have been led to believe that entering midlife means existing at the complete mercy of her mysterious hormones for the next decade. When we take our concerns to our doctors, we're told that our debilitating symptoms are normal or we're fine or it's in our head. I'm here to tell you that fine is not good enough. I want women to thrive through every life stage. So I've devised a hormone reset plan that blends the best of Eastern and Western medicine together to bring your body back into balance, minimize unwanted symptoms, and have you feeling like yourself again. It's not you, it's your hormones. Are you ready to thrive? Go to prh.com backslash the hormone shift to pre-order your copy right now. Perfect. Okay. I do want to talk about your new book. You've got a new book out. The Adrenal Transformation Protocol. Talk to us about how you segued from Hashimoto's to the adrenals. I know they're related, but tell us what's going on with your newest book and your newest work. Sure, I'd be delighted to. So I have been talking about adrenals as long as I've been talking about Hashimoto's because in my experience, most women with Hashimoto's will have some degree of adrenal dysfunction. I've tested so many women, myself included over the years, I would say symptomatic women. Mm-hmm. And like I, I couldn't really find a normal test, you know, in, yeah. In, yeah. it's interesting because the media typically talks about like high cortisol. It's so bad to have high cortisol. Here's what you do to lower cortisol, where about 60% of the individuals that I have tested with Hashimoto's had low levels of cortisol. Right. Day. And, and this tends to be more common in 
in Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and fibromyalgia and um, also in chronic fatigue syndrome. And so I um, initially, you know, this was always a part of my work and I had some protocols that I shared such as pregnenolone and DHEA, which are of course hormones, as you know, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're helpful, but not necessarily appropriate for everybody. And then I would also talk about things like getting 10 to 12 hours of sleep, um, quitting caffeine, again, helpful, but not necessarily appropriate for everybody. This kind of, um, you know, I've helped a lot of people with their health with these methods, but there was always people that were like, I am not going to quit coffee. So I'm not going to do your program or there's, you know, I can't take these hormones or there's just no way I could commit to sleeping that much. And at first I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I can't help you there. And then I got to a point where I was a new mom and eight months postpartum and sleep deprived. And, you know, that's the fastest way to get into adrenal dysfunction. Oh yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm feeling like I have adrenal dysfunction. And sure enough, I did a Dutch test and my cortisol was flatlined. Okay. But I can't take DHEA. I don't want, I don't know. Is that going to make my baby grow chest hair? Like, right. You know, I was nursing, so I didn't want to take anything that could impact my baby. And then I was like, and I also can't sleep 12 hours a night. Sure. You can get a night nanny, but after a while you'll go bankrupt because as lovely as they are and helpful as they are, they're super expensive. Yeah. And then there's also like the caffeine. I was like, man, I, I can't like give up caffeine. This is like, I had just started drinking coffee for the first time in my life because it was my lifeline to taking care of a child at night. And so I came up with a a unique protocol to really send those safety signals to my body to through lifestyle that was doable to get myself to get out of that survival adrenal dysfunction state into a thriving state with a good cortisol pattern. With I mean, I have this premise and even in my new book that's coming out in October, I write it with the premise that I don't think I've met a woman who is not in some state of adrenal fatigue. And so I've just made a blanket assumption that we are all in the state of adrenal fatigue, whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. So we all do really need to be thinking about it. What are three three things everyone can do to help their, let's just assume that everyone's got it. They've got either high or low cortisol. What are three things especially women, right? That women can do to really support their adrenals, balance cortisol. Because again, when that cortisol gets off track, it impacts the thyroid, right? It impacts blood sugar, impacts your estrogen to progesterone ratio, your HPA axis, all these things that we talk so much about. What are your top three? Definitely replenishing the nutrients that get lost when we're in a stress response. So these would be B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, electrolytes. To highlight magnesium, women who have been stressed will say, I have PMS, I have menstrual cramps, I have migraines, I have headaches, I can't sleep at night, I'm anxious, you know, my hormones are getting kind of wacky. And then they'll start on a magnesium supplement or start doing daily Epsom salt baths, which is another way to get magnesium, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say, wow, I feel so much better. I'm more calm. I'm less anxious. I'm sleeping better throughout the night. My menstrual cramps have almost vanished, right? Um, my body cramps have vanished. So it is one of those things that people don't realize how important role it plays in the body. And it's very, very simple. Right. To- 
build into your routine. It can be a big game changer for so many symptoms. I love that. The nutrients is kind of, I always talk about, you know, I do a lot with Chinese medicine. So they talk a lot about building chi or building energy. And the key way to build energy is really to begin with food and nutrition and and supplementing some of these micronutrients that are so important for all the hormones and definitely important for the adrenals as well. What else are you trying to walk people through in the adrenal transformation? What is your hope that people will learn as they work through the book? Definitely how to listen to their body and how to properly nourish their body. So we're focusing a lot on blood sugar balance. So For a lot of people, it looks like eating more protein, more fat, and less carbs. I also utilize myo inositol throughout that process. Mm -hmm. And so really focus on getting the person blood sugar stable. And again, this is such a huge game changer for anxiety, for irritability, for going about your day with energy, right? And so, and being able to sleep well throughout the night. A lot of people don't realize, but the 3 a.m. wakings, this could be a blood sugar issue when your body's becoming hypoglycemic, your stress response kicks in to produce cortisol to help make more glucose. This could be caused by a high carb diet, right? And when we don't have enough protein throughout our day as well. And so this is an important thing to consider is blood sugar balance. People have said to me, I thought I had a mental health disorder. It turned out I just needed to balance my blood sugar, right? Or I thought I had an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And so straightforward doesn't really require you to, you know, spend thousands of dollars on testing. I love that. I mean, so much is right there. It's just, again, knowing, having the knowledge, knowing what to do. I think everyone thinks that testing your hormones or understanding your hormones is going to be expensive. It's going to be this big ordeal. Any wellness protocol is going to be 50,000 things to do, but over and over again, these tiny, tiny things, right? Like getting protein, stabilizing your blood sugar, adding in the fat, getting in the B vitamins, magnesium, none of that is super expensive. And it makes such a profound difference in women's health. So I love that you're, you know, bringing up some of these key things. Is your book already out? Has it hit the shelves? Yes, it came out in April. So it's been for a few months. It is called the Adrenal Transformation Protocol. And the acronym is ATP. Oh, I love that. Energy. (laughs) So I love that. It does focus on some of the traditional functional medicine adrenal protocols. So I do talk about the blood sugar balance, the nutrients, utilizing adaptogens. I've also found that this works really, really well and much better and quicker with more um, sustainable effects. If we also utilize uh, mitochondrial support, carnitine, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love for brain fog. We have about a 92% success rate with brain fog throughout the program where people will have less brain fog in a few weeks of using that. I think carnitine is one of the key twists and benefits with that. And then I also utilize things like D-ribose and light therapy to really support the mitochondria because they can be drivers of our energy. And then the other thing it focuses on is personal transformation techniques, such as pleasurable activities throughout the day and figuring out how to get rid of some of the things that trigger you and get you into that fight or flight survival mode that 
really damaging for our health and how to shift your body back into a thriving state where your body is focusing on staying calm and fixing itself. So I have, you know, there's nutrition, there's supplements, there's a lot of lifestyle, but also a lot of personal transformation techniques too. I love it. I love it. And I'm assuming it's available everywhere books are sold. You know, all of this is gold. I think I have not met a woman, as I said, who's not in adrenal fatigue. I talk a lot about superwoman syndrome with the incredible, it's actually a part of the motivation for the show too, just the incredible stress that women experience today with being in charge of the home and then being outside of the home and then bearing multiple responsibilities. And we just don't have the structure to support all of that. So women today are, I think, one of the most stressed generations of women in history. So this is probably a book that everyone can use. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your knowledge with us for folks watching and listening today. If they wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? Um, They could follow me on Instagram. I'm at Isabella Wentz PharmD. I'm on Facebook as Thyroid Pharmacist, Dr. Isabella Wentz, and my website is thyroidpharmacist.com. Wonderful. Thank you again for taking time out to join us and for everyone else. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. We will see you next time. 